You're tuned into another episode of the AER Podcast. Streaming on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, and YouTube, this podcast features interviews of individuals in the codings industry. Listen every month wherever you get your podcasts. Stay in the loop by following us on Instagram and Facebook at at Air Equipment SA. Subscribe, rate, and visit us online at air-equipment.com. Now, enjoy another episode of the AER Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the AER Podcast. My name is Jason Weber and I'm your host. Um, this episode, we have Ryan Looker, who's the uh, Territory Manager for Industrial Sales from Global Finishing Solutions. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Jason? Uh, we're doing we're doing pretty good. Um, I want to first uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I know life's been a little busy, but I don't know about for you guys. It seems like business is starting to pick up, so it's it's nice to kind of etch away a little hour here, 30 minutes here, Absolutely. so we can do this podcast. Absolutely. I think uh, things are coming back to life. People are looking at getting projects in, you know, before the year end and we have been busy. That's, that's true. That's good because we, everybody needs that after the 2020 everybody had. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so if we want to jump right into it, uh, well, actually, you know, before we get into the products of, of global finishing, what, uh, let's get a little bit of your background. How did you end up in this industry and, you know, kind of take us down that road a little bit? So uh, I started at uh, GFS now, um, it's going back probably six, seven years, started working in their uh, estimating department. So basically designing um, equipment, designing and costing equipment, working with engineering to develop the bid specifications. Um, from there, I, I moved up to uh, training manager. I kind of I did that for about a year. So that was uh, educating people on on what GFS offers and, and what kind of equipment uh, we provide. Um, and then moved up to uh, territory manager here where I cover uh, you know the states in the Midwest. Yeah, and uh, if people are confused about hearing states in the Midwest and saying, wait a minute, Texas is not the Midwest. I'm guessing you kind of acquired us because we're part of ICAF now. That is that is correct. So you guys are all under one umbrella. So you guys you guys are pretty much nationwide under uh, the companies you guys got, and you cover anything and everything. So so I say primarily home based Midwest, but yes, I've, I've picked up quite a few states and done business all over the nation um, as a result. So let's just go right into uh, global finishing. Uh, so I mean, if people have been in the in, coatings industry for a while they they should know the name global finishing but uh yep. you know what what kind of uh, products does global finishing offer so we manufacture and design entire finishing lines so i guess when i say that we start from what is what do we need to do to prepare the part all the way to a finished product so when you start out um a lot of times there could be a a blasting process that prepares the part. Um, we provide blasting closures, um, dust collection equipment uh, to start the process. Maybe then, you know, the product is going to move along to a cleaning process or maybe cleaning and etching is part of the process and uh, you, you do chemical treatment in a wash booth. So then we, we also provide wash booths, um, inline washers as well. Um, mo moving on from there, you go to... You, Potentially, the next step is your dry-off oven, right? So you're drying your part prior to paint or powder. Um, 
Moving on to the next thing, paint, paint boost is probably what we're most well known for um, going back to the uh, JBI days. Um, and then also, also powder boost, so application rooms for applying both paint and powder. And then as it leaves there, um, depending on the process, you may be going into a, an oven again, a cure oven. And uh, anything and everything that moves that part along, helping to integrate conveyor, um, that's, that's all part of uh, what GFS does. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, to be honest, I, you know, you guys are pretty new to me just cause I, yep. I, we didn't really do business with global finishing until we joined ICAF. So I honestly, yep. I, the only part of the, of y'all's company that I even knew was, uh, paint and powder booths. So, uh, that's, yep. that's, a that's new to me right there. Um, and, and I think, and I think that's, that, that can be, you know, something that is, thought across the industry and i think it's because we have such a we've cast such a large shadow over the over the paint industry you know paint booths especially and that that had to start with the the previous owner owner jerry Bowie back in the jbi days was assisting the, the government with large paint booths for for defense and uh, military so we kind of became the go-to for that um i kind of uh hey if the government trusts these guys you know so do we and I think that's how we we really you know got our base and got our start. And uh, from there, you know, the, the painting industry has evolved and continues to evolve. You know, we added product products in that would would also be required in a finishing process, and and that's how we got to where we are today. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, those are all pretty crucial uh, parts of a entire finishing line, and it's it kind of fits in exactly with ICAF's um, ICAF's motto of from prep to finish. So, you know, Absolutely. kind of everything from you start with a raw material and you end up with a finished product at the end. That's uh, right. That's right. But, but I did want to jump just into the, uh, the booths because yep. I know you guys, that's kind of, I guess your wheelhouse, if you will, yep. um, or at least what you're most well known for. And um, so what kind of booths does Global Finishing offer? So on, on the paint side especially, there, there are a variety of booths. Um, I'll say kind of as an entry-level booth, the booth that, you know, a, a lot of companies start out with is an open face booth. Um, you typically see that. It's got two walls, a ceiling, and what we call an industrial chamber, so a full height, full width um, exhaust chamber on the back side of it. Um, you know, I say these are beginning or entry level booths, but this same design can be constructed um, with support structure. You can run, you could run a monorail through it. You can bring parts in that way. Um, you know, you could you could you could notch a crane slot in there and you, utilize an overhead crane in there. So, from every design, there is a custom a custom configuration to it that lends to a customer's process. So. So that those those are, are probably what a lot of people are familiar with as a as an entry level booth. Um, from there, you can move into more of a uh, truck or we call large equipment booth. So what what you have in that is typically a little bit taller booth, maybe potentially a little bit wider. Um, entry doors on the front, potentially exit doors as well, um, depending on what you're looking for on your finishing process you can you can do it one of two ways 
you can put a filtered uh, set of doors on the front and your exhaust chamber on the back. And then what happens is your fan will draw through the exhaust chamber, draw through the front intake filters, which removes all the the dust and contaminants from the process as it draws it into the booth. Um, to even step that up a notch, we'll say you can pressurize by way of a fan or an air makeup unit. Then you put solid doors on the front and the back. Um, and, and what comes along with an air makeup unit, especially for us up here in the north, is you can you can heat the space as well. So um, right about now up here in Wisconsin, we're, we're staring at snow and 30 degree weather. So we need to heat even to get to ambient. So an air, ma air makeup unit is, is, is pretty crucial to heat the air for that space. Um, you could also cure in a paint booth. So we can raise uh, a, a paint booth up to a, a cure temperature for paint. So maybe we're discharging 140, 160 degrees into a booth to heat, to do paint and then cure in a booth as well. Um, so those are, those are the main two. Um, we do have options as well, where it can always be taken to one another level. If, if someone is looking for a certain environment, um, when I talk a conditioned environment, so a certain temperature that, a, that, a, that a paint applies the best at a certain humidity level, um, we, we can provide paint or uh, air makeup units with condensing units that can temper air to exactly what you know the customer needs for the process. So again, I mean, it's there's a lot of variety um, in, in construction and uh, options, and a lot of it just is dictated by you know what the customer has available for space, what they what they need, what they require. Okay, yeah, not. I got to back up a little bit. You said you guys are looking at snow up there in the Midwest and we're, yep. we're down here complaining cause it's like 47. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, I had this, I had this conversation with my, uh, my son the other day and he was, he was talking about how, um, you know, the, the temp outside, I, you know, dad, I really liked 70 is perfect. And this, and then I said, yeah, I mean, you get to some places in the country and 70 is actually chilly. So, so we're pretty happy when we can stay above 40, um, up here. So I, I, I know you, I know, uh, you know, it's kind of what you're used to though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it was 39 when I left my house this morning and we were, we were complaining, but Yes. This for us yep. at least this is only a couple days we'll be back up in the seventies. <laughs> right, right. We're staring at six to eight months of this stuff. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um so I one one thing we run into a lot, and uh, I'm sure it's because of the emergence of online sales, but we run into people, you know, if we're quoting a custom built booth or a custom made booth by global, um Someone out there will kind of come back with a, a you know, knockdown price that they found online, and yeah. you know, it maybe looks good up front. But what you know, what are what are the reasons you would want to go with a custom built booth versus buying one of these quote unquote one size fits all booths from a uh, bargain site online? Yep. So I, I would I would say the first thing, and and what we try to do with all of our customers is we engage them and we want to talk to them about what their process is. Um, you're absolutely correct. Like a one size fits all isn't, isn't the best for every application. So a lot of times when you find those, those bargain basement uh, online booths, they're designed for a particular industry. So a lot of them are designed for more of an auto refinish um, uh, style painting application. So 
the, the issue there is those booths are designed for a lower airflow, considering that what you're going to park in there is going to fill up a majority of the space. So in a, in a car refinish environment, they might have where, where we would specify 100 feet per minute inside a booth, they might be designed for 75 feet per minute, assuming that three quarters of the space is going to be filled up with product. Um, airflow is the biggest the biggest thing behind a a good paint coat or a good paint job. So it's crucial to have the airflow that's actually designed for the parts you have. I've seen customers use these booths in something where they were doing smaller parts or what ends up happening is because they don't fill the space, they don't have enough volume to move the overspray to the exhaust filter to the chamber. So what ends up happening is the paint drops throughout the booth. So the the particular booth that I'm that comes to mind, they were painting they were painting a bunch of small parts yellow and and the entire booth from ceiling to floor was all painted yellow as a result of of not having that proper airflow that will take that um, overspray to their exhaust chamber to their filters you know where it should be. Um, the other thing is when you do the one size fits all. Even, you know, we, we typically recommend at minimum for the ease of the, of the, the applicator, the, the sprayer, the painter, that there's three feet surrounding a part on each, on all sides, three feet above. Um, and, and what that allows is enough room for, for a painter to move around, paint the front of the part, paint the back side of the part. Sometimes you'll see, I've, I've been in locations where they leave the front door open and half the parts hanging out. So you know, in theory, if you're painting the the second half of the part, it shouldn't be a big deal that the front half is hanging out. But sometimes these booths are designed to be enclosed. They're designed for the doors to be closed. Um, and it just keeps all of that that dust and dirt and contaminants from coming in from the shop. So that's that's another thing. Um, if a lot of these other other booths can have just the open face, I mentioned that as an entry level, depending on what you're trying to accomplish in your process. More times than not, it's probably a good idea, depending on the cleanliness of your facility, is to put some sort of door on there. So then you're enclosing your paint process from everything else you have going out on that floor. What happens is a paint booth with no with no doors acts as a as a vacuum cleaner for the for the entire facility. So if you have some sort of dust sanding application that's just down the way, all of that's going to migrate right to your paint booth. Um, the other thing is is Customers will, I've kind of mentioned, maybe they're buying booths too small. I've also seen a customer buy booths that are way too large for their for their part size. Um, why that's a bad thing is, is the way you calculate airflow in a booth is by taking either the width times the height times the space to calculate a foot per minute through that, an airspeed. Um, and a downdraft that's done the same way, width times to length times whatever your downdraft speed is looking for, typically 50 feet per minute. So if you go larger in any direction, uh, height, whatever it might be, that actually translates to extra energy usage. So you're gonna have to have larger larger fans if it's an enclosed booth, a larger air makeup unit, processing heated air for a larger space. All this comes to your bottom line because maybe you bought a booth that was cheaper in the from the beginning, but now your operating costs are a lot higher to operate it. So um, I guess those are those are a few of the things that 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 I see. There, there's definitely opportunity to utilize floor space in a building as well. Um, 
you know, in a lot of cookie cutter booths, standard stuff, you might have the air makeup unit sitting in indoors right next to the booth. We do a lot where we're putting the, the air makeup on top of the roof. It, it saves floor space. You might be putting it on top of the building and ducting down through the through the roof. You can put it on an outer outer wall, duct in through that outer wall. These are all things that save on your footprint. And I know every facility is is lacking and would love to have more floor space. Um, so those are those are probably my my three main main things: airflow you know, saving on floor space and then the energy savings involved with, with going customer. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something that people need to really look at because, uh, all too often you see, you know, maybe they'll save fifteen hundred, $2,000 up front on the cost of a, a booth, but you're looking at your rework. If you're having, you know, like you yep. said, dust when you're, when you're spraying and your energy cost. You know that that could eat up that two thousand dollars in in a one job. So you're, you're correct. Your buyback on the proper booth may only take a few months to a year, and you're in the in the booth. That's going to save you time and money. Right. Um, so then that kind of rolls us in right into um, proper maintenance. Um, this is something that I'm sure you've seen a lot. We have too, and it's just. I think another thing is when you get these cookie cutter booths, you know, someone buys it, they ship it to you, you put it up, you're not trained on how to maintain this booth and keep it working properly all the time. So what what are some, I guess, maintenance tips that you, uh, that Global Finishing, you and Global Finishing would recommend? Yeah, I guess, I guess kind of jog my memory. Um, you're talking about purchasing a a standard booth offline and, you know, online and bringing it into your facility. The one thing that a lot of those don't consider, and we're going back to airflow again here is, is what, what are, what is the customer going to do with their duct work? Is it a, is it a straight up duct stack? Are we exiting a back building and going up all of these things when you have to offset duct work, add static pressure to, to the fan. So what happens is you have a, you have a side effect of system performance on a lot of those booths. So, What'll happen is you put the offset in, the fan runs into a little bit, static pressure isn't moving the proper volume of air. And what happens in that case is you have, again, paint overspray that is not getting to, to a filter. So the other, the other instance where, where this can happen is not changing your filters um, regularly, leaving a filter on too long. So if, if a filter becomes fully loaded, what happens is you are you're limiting, you're putting added static on the fan that direction as well. So um, it, it isn't, if it isn't able to draw through that filter, it's again going to influence your airflow inside the booth. So what ends up happening is, again, paint drops in the booth um, or the fan keeps pulling. And what happens is it's going to draw that overspray through your filter into your exhaust chamber, potentially throwing it up your stack, painting the roof of your building, I've heard horror stories of a sidewall sidewall exhaust in a facility where now we're now we're ejecting overspray because we're not changing our filters, you know, out of sidewall and we're painting cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's that's crucial that that you keep up on it and that you're you're maintaining and changing out your filters. So the the two things that I hear when I visit facilities, the first one 
for having a good good booth and a good condition booth is airflow. The second one is visibility. So another another maintenance point is if you don't purchase the right size booth, if the ceiling's too low, you may end up painting the covers of your light fixtures. Okay, so even with the right space, if you don't if you don't change your filters, your paint overspray will hang longer. And what ends up happening is it it does apply to the sides of the booth, covers the light covers. One one good maintenance technique would be they do make peel coats that go over the over the lens of a light fixture because once that's done, once it's clouded, your light's limited in your booth and, and you're not going to be happy about it. So you can apply those on. You spray every so often when your lights are getting too cloudy or 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 you don't have the light levels you want. You can peel it off and put a new clear one on. So those are two of the biggest things that I see that I hear from painters every day when I go to a facility is you know maintaining the right airflow. We we typically walk over, we take a look at their manometer or whatever they have to read the read the uh, filter uh, static. Um, we look at that and determine more times than not they should have already replaced their filters a while ago. And the other one is visibility, and I always recommend that the same thing, the way to protect their lenses on their lights so that they don't have to deal with cloudy lenses. Okay. Um, yeah, now that's kind of the next point I wanted to make. Uh, something we really hammer on our customers is is uh, the need for that manometer. And um, for people that don't don't understand what that is, what what exactly is a manometer, and and how is it how does it read and you know, how does it tell you when you need to change your filters? Yes. Yeah, so, so by code, national code, NFPA, it is required to have a, a visual um, reading for filters. So, so you should have some sort of visual gauge that tells you when you should be uh, replacing filters. So, so what a manometer does is it it has an airline that leads to the backside of a, I should say, a tube that leads to the backside of a filter, so it can read pressure through the through the filter um we do have it um what happens is it'll read it you set it based on initially based on no filters zero it out as you place a filter in there you'll get your your reading point of what your starting static pressure is of your filter um our typical filters are at about i believe it's like 0.15 inches of static um so that so that is a place where you would mark on your manometer to say, here's where our filters start at. This is their clean point. Um, and then the next thing you do usually is if, if you look at your, your spec data sheet for your filter, it will tell you what your filter is designed to load to. And that can be, depending on your filter selection, it can be all over the board. There's thin filters, there's thicker th filters that, that, that will accept more loading. Um, our typical again is around 0.5 inches of static pressure. So, Anywhere in between that is an acceptable working range. When it hits that high point, that's that's the time when you should be shutting your booth down, removing all your filters and disposing of them properly, and then putting your new filters out. What then brings your brings your gauge back to that that initial clean filter point. Okay, yeah, and I, um, it's it's amazing how many you would how many booths out there you run into that have no gauge or anything. And that's another, that probably goes back to uh, these online bargain booths that you find online probably don't, don't have that or have it as an option and not standard. Uh, yeah, they, my, my, my thought is they probably don't have a fully staffed engineering and design team, you know, at their, at their, at these companies, they're, they're just sheet metal benders and 
they build it and they're not building it to to any code they're they're just basically duplicating what what they've seen out there on the market so there's another cost associated with it if if you either have to buy one later or if even worse you're getting you know fined by your county for not having been up to code that's correct. A, an inspector that is is up on his code is is going to walk in first time he sees a booth. He's going to ask you, you know, where's where's your gauge, where's your manometer, whatever the, his his terminology is, and and uh, the customer is going to have to say, I you know, I don't know it. I, I I didn't come with one. And there is the potential, depending on the inspector, to uh, to shut him down to make to make that right. Okay. Um, and then talking about your exhaust filters. Uh, because those are the ones you generally change the most. Um, I know uh, Global Finishing offers the what I think y'all's brand is the Wave filter. And um, h- how is that compared to either your standard fiberglass or your uh, paper arresters that that uh, you see in a lot of these facilities? Yep. So so the the two things that uh, that make our our Wave filter special. First is the, uh, the the patented design. If if you look at a filter or a wave filter, you'll see it immediately. It it actually has a wave, kind of an up and down um, wave pattern to it, multiple of them across the face of the filter. So I've seen them installed a couple different ways. That wave is actually supposed to be installed horizontally on the booth, you know, in the exhaust chamber. And what that does is, as the overspray starts to collect on there it limits the amount of runoff that you have from a filter down to the floor. So you'll see some of these that are just a flat, a flat filter and they're not only changing filters, but they're having to, to clean up paint that's, that's on the floor, more paint. If you, if you ride any filter too long, you're going to have that, but it is, it is designed to limit that because it will catch some of that runoff that is, that is happening on that filter. Um, the second thing with the wave, if, if you look at it, it is, it is a thicker, uh, more robust filter than than a lot of those uh, thinner fiberglass filters you'll see out there. So what's what's happening is there's a lot better efficiency of collection and and less pass through. So again, what you don't want to do and what is what can be a safety hazard is if you're if you're using a filter that allows pass through to then paint the inside of your chamber, paint your exhaust stack. Anytime you have a have paint overspray collected anywhere, there is the potential for combustibility and, and it's not a good thing. Um, it can also shorten the life of your fan. So having a filter with a higher efficiency that will limit pass through that, that's what the wave gives you. Um, it also is rated to hold a lot more paint. So a lot of, a lot of people will go to a thinner, cheaper filter because they because it's just a cost thing, right? So if you put a wave filter in and it lasts you, and I, I don't know, exactly how much longer but if it lasts you longer in the long run and and doesn't do and saves you on time for cleanup it may be a better better bet for you to go with that right from the beginning instead of the cheaper filter again you know if you're looking at just from a dollars aspect length of of filter how long it lasts has to be factored in as well right and that's you know not all you know how many filters you're going through, but also the downtime of, you know, your guys not painting and changing the filters as often. You, if you're changing them out three, four times a week instead of twice a week, you right. know, you got you to gotta factor that downtime, especially if 
Um, the most common size we see is, is uh, um, 20 by 20 uh, panels. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, changing those out is not just a quick process. It, it takes a while. It, it does. It does. And, and that's, and that's unfortunately some of the stuff I see is, is companies that go with a cheaper filter. They get loaded so quickly. They should be changing them multiple times a day sometimes, depending on what kind of volume they're spraying. And because it, because they load so quickly, they just ignore it. And what happens is it does pass through, um, they, they load up and then paint drops and their booths just are, are covered in overspray, which just doesn't, doesn't make for a good paint environment. So there's, there's a lot of things that are side effects of going with a cheap filter over just saving the, saving the pennies you do on the front end. Right. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's all I got today. I don't, did you have anything else you wanted to, to add about global finishing? Um, not, not necessarily. I guess, I guess I did touch on it. Um, I guess where, where I feel like GFS does excel is we are interested in learning the process, having the conversations with our customer and providing the correct solution. Um, the way that we do that is we do have, as I, as I stated before, a, a full engineering and design staff. We've been around for 40 plus years. Um, so if, if, if you have, uh, an idea or a need for a booth, we've, we've done it at one time or another. So there's the experience level, there's the, the dedication to resources and the dedication to do things the right way. And that's, that's where I think, uh, GFS really separates themselves from some of our competitors. All right. Uh, Ryan, well, I want to thank you for joining me. And, um, if uh, any of the listeners want any information about any, uh, global finishing products, uh, reach out to air equipment at 210-223-3157 or visit us online at air-equipment.com or you can also visit any of the ICAF companies which is icafcompanies.com Ryan, thanks again for uh, joining me and uh, spending some time with us today Not a problem, Jason This is a good time Alright, thanks and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode of the 8ER Podcast Mm -hmm.